Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. We're back here on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Joe DeLeon, Ryan Roberts. We're moving on to another position ranking as we are trying to get you prepared, also ourselves prepared, for the 2023 NFL Draft. We're doing the exciting group. We got all the, the slow, boring ones, the, the position groups that maybe don't have as many big-name players except for running backs. We got through the lame offensive line groupings. We've got offensive tackles today. Ryan, Ryan, are you excited? There's, there's a lot of talent in this tackle class. I have a weird amount of top 50 picks uh, or better amongst this tackle grouping. My fifth best guy has a top 50 grade on it. There's, a, there's yeah. a lot of underrated talent, I think, that doesn't get enough credit. I think there's like legitimately seven or eight guys that I could see going in the first two rounds. I mean, just for, off of grade. Like, there's going to be some guys right. pushed up, obviously, but it is a, it's a deep offensive tackle group, Joe. Like, I, I, we've talked about it a ton. I think that the top of the class is a little overrated in certain spots, but like, yes. I mean, there is a lot of top 50 players, a lot of top 64 players in this class, and which is, so there's going to be some people that are going to be mad about my top five. There's going to be some that are <laughs> mad. So I'm excited about it, man. I'm excited. I'm sure. I already know for a fact that neither of us are going to have Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. We're neither not. of us are going to have Dewan Jones from Ohio State, but. Just to add some context for those wondering, like, oh, what does this mean for us having X grades on certain guys? It means for this tackle class, we typically, once you get to the second round, think about yeah. in the past how often those second round picks don't really end up being long-term starters or end up being backup players. It's not often that day two picks turn into consistent starters, but I feel like this class, Ryan, we have a guys have guys like uh, like a Matt Bergeron who didn't make my top five, who I think might have made yours, that I think could develop and end up being a long term starter because he has the traits. Right. A guy like Jalen Duncan from Maryland is another one that I think that fits that description. And without revealing too much, there's just a lot more that we could even end up naming that somewhere on day three could plug into being starting off its linemen in the NFL. Yeah, and I, I think that there's some context, too, to a couple guys that missed the list that you already meant, mentioned, because, like, yes, you're correct. I Dewan Jones is number six for me, and I wrestled with that one a lot. I almost put him at five. Really? I did, man, because, like, I think he is going to be a, star, a good starting right tackle on the next level if he's locked in. I just question if he's locked in. Like, that's my biggest thing. Like, he's got Well, he even said on this show, though, like, that's why you – the reason why yeah. you say that anyone's wondering, like, oh, is he locked in – he came on this show and indicated that he doesn't really have a big passion for football. Uh, he's he did an interview. Guy. Go, yeah, go check the interview yeah. for anyone who's wondering. He he's a basketball guy who's playing football because he is better at football than basketball, right? Like that's kind of how he. And he was actually a really good basketball player. And there's a lot to like about Dewan Jones. He's got the longest wingspan we've ever seen recorded at the combine. He's massive. He had much better tape in 2022 than 2021. I think he's going to be a good right tackle in the NFL. But there are some red flags there, in my opinion. There are. Yeah. The, the love for the game. And then, Joe, I always talk about this, man, but there was always those reports in the preseason that he got down to 340, 350 pounds. I'm just like, why are you 375 this offseason then? Like, why are you up that weight again? I don't understand that part. <laughs> so he missed my list marginally. It was a conversation, though. 
I'm just not in on Anton Harrison. I'll be honest. Like I'm not in on him. Developmental potential, good feet, good length. I can get down with him on somewhere on day two as a developmental player, but I just hate the power profile, man. It's got some decently yeah. strong mitts, but like no anchor at all. Like I'm just not down with that type of player. So he he's a guy. And then I, I also want to throw one caveat out there because I know what's, we, I'm sure that he might be on your list. I don't know. But Darnell Wright from Tennessee, I graded as a guard. So yes. go back to our guard show. He was on that list because I put a pretty good grade on him as a guard. I just think that he's more comfortable in tighter spaces. I think he's going to struggle a little bit on the islands, which is why I personally graded him out as a guard. NFL teams are going to look at him as a tackle. A lot of them are. And he's going to go higher, obviously, than a couple guys that I'm going to talk about today. But I just did not grade him as a tackle. So just some, some notes before we start here. Yes. Let's get into it because Darnell Wright did make my list. She might be a little high, but my number five player who what I, I know that we are both higher on than the consensus is Jalen Duncan from Maryland. I placed him as my number five tackle. I gave him a top 50 grade. I have him kind of sitting at the end of the second round, I think is realistic. What is very exciting about a Jalen Duncan is the size, the build. He's got a really impressive uh, lower half, which really weird phrase to say on this show. But for what I mean by that is his feet move very well. He's got a really nice anchor. His his footwork are, is, is pretty strong when he anchors. And the way that he moves in space, I think, is really fantastic. Those movement skills are why I'm high on him as a player and why I think eventually he's going to be a starting left tackle in the NFL and at yep. a very quality level because of those quick feet. Now, where I get a little bit held up and why I'm not willing to commit maybe a higher grade to him is that I think sometimes he struggles with proper angles. I think that also his his footwork can get a little bit sloppy at times. And then the big thing for me is the overall lack of power compared to some of these other players. I, I feel like has, his, yeah. his power profile isn't as good as it could be for a guy that's built like he is. Like I almost thought that he was going to be this commanding presence because of how thick his legs are. Like I thought he was going to be a guy that was really driving guys off the ball, but I just don't think he ever... I didn't see a lot of reps where I thought he was overpowering a defender. He is somebody who wins by quick feet and positioning and then maybe yeah. doesn't really finish those reps with power that you like to see with a with a top rank left tackle. Before we continue on with this video, I just want to tell you folks about an exciting new partnership that we have with this channel with Underdog Fantasy. Ever since I joined, I've been having so much fun. There are so many different exciting games that make watching games during the offseason more exciting. I'm not the biggest basketball fan, but it has made it way more entertaining since I found Underdog Fantasy. And my favorite game to play so far, which I think you should try out, is Pick'em. It is so easy to play. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it simple. With their easy-to-use website and mobile apps, pick between two and five players to fill out your Pick'em slip Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. Use code HACK, H-A-C-K, HACK, like the name of this channel. Use code HACK to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Go sign up. You won't regret it. You're going to have a blast. Check out Underdog Fantasy. I also want to tell you folks about our other reoccurring sponsor that we have on this channel, that being BetOnline, BetOnline.ag, which has all the updated odds, news, and anything for sports betting. It's my go-to source for when I want to be betting specifically on games. I love betting on college basketball or the NBA, uh, especially again during the off season, always looking for more fun ways to be uh, focused in on 
some of these other sports. It's betonline.ag and use promo code BELIEVE50. It's promo code BELIEVE50 to get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Duncan's a very passive blocker. He's a passive player. He's got some strength in his lower half, so you'll see some run plays, man, where he's able to displace gaps and he's able to do kind of that stuff and, and kind of drive defensive linemen off the ball. But to your point, Joe, I think the one part that's really passive on film that it does worry me a little bit as well is I think his hands don't have much strength in them right now, man. If they mm. do, he doesn't really utilize it much, right? Like he's just got very passive hand usage. But my bias towards how I grade offensive tackles is I always value left tackle traits. I always value it, which is why Jalen Duncan is also number five for me. He made the list at number five as well because he has true left tackle profile, man. He's got that 6'6 six, six frame, nearly six foot six, solid enough arm length, right around 80-inch wingspan, really good foot quickness, man. It's probably the best foot quickness of anybody on this list, in my opinion. Like yeah. He can really, really move. There's a lot that needs to be worked on, obviously, from the hand perspective of playing the position of offensive tackle. I think he needs to be a little more aggressive in general. He's a little bit lackadaisical, which worries me a little bit. But this kid has starting talent playing left tackle on the NFL level. There's a lot of traits to work with, and I'll take a gamble on him somewhere in the second round. I think that he is very worth that type of selection. Who's your Who's your number five guy? It was Jalen Duncan. You missed it. You oh. weren't listening. You weren't listening. Oh, no, I, I was listening. I just missed the part that you yes. – so that's funny that we both end up having him at number five. Yes. Uh, let's kick to you then for your number four. Number four is somebody that you said isn't in your top five that I probably wouldn't. You were correct. Matthew Bergeron is my number four mm, from I knew that Syracuse. Was coming. Joe, I mean, I just – I don't think there's a lot of holes in Bergeron's game, man. Like, he might not have as good a foot weakness as a couple guys on this list. He might not have the power profile of a couple other guys on this list. But he just kind of hits marks everywhere, man. It's just like good, solid power profile. I've seen him sit down on power. He's got a really nice athleticism from a foot quickness perspective. He's got that ability that I think he can play left tackle. If not, he's going to be a really good right tackle at the next level. Good body, six foot five plus, three hundred twenty something pounds, right around thirty four inch arms. Has good length. Just kind of checks a lot of boxes. So he might mm. not knock your socks off. But what I thought when he played against the best pass rushers on his schedule this year felt like he just erased dudes man like he had a great game against Isaiah Foskey had a nice game against Miles Murphy just really good football player man so he's not as flashy as a couple of guys on this list but I think he's a starting offensive tackle at the next level he's just gonna be a good starter for a long time in my opinion he had a little bit of a tough time against Jared Verse um I will say, and that was everyone had a tough time against Jared Verse. True, we're talking about we're talking about a potential top ten pick in next year's class. You got (laughs) to beat the best to be the best, Ryan. We got to take that into account. He had a great two year game, two games in two years against Miles Murphy, though. Really good games against Miles Murphy. Yeah. Now I'd like to point out here. I am a big fan of Matt Bergeron, and I think our list would have been the same had I not put Darnell Wright as a tackle. Um, But our outlook on him is is a bit different. It yeah. sounds like we both like Darnell Wright, but we just see him as at a, at a different position. Yeah. But for for me, at, for Bergeron, I love the feet. Like, I just love how light he feels. For being a guy that's 320 pounds, it looks like he's 280. Like, he moves that easily, which is what is exciting. But where I was held up and why I, I had Duncan slightly higher, very slightly, they're both graded as top 50 picks for me, is because of his lack of strength. I think that more than anyone else, his strength showed weakness, like showed up as a weakness at times. 
him losing reps was because he couldn't close out and he couldn't lock somebody down with his upper body strength. And I also didn't see somebody who kind of like with Duncan, but more often somebody who couldn't finish a rep because of his power. Like that to me is something that always stands out is like, can this guy neutralize somebody and take them out of a play because of their power? Positioning's great. He's always in the right spot. He gets in the right positioning. As you said, his technique is fantastic. I don't think he's somebody who ever really plays with a bad base, no. but that power is something that needs to be developed and worked on. And if it if it is, he can become a very good starting tackle in the NFL. I, I still love his backstory. If you haven't heard our interview with him in the preseason, you should go back and take a listen because that was one of my favorite interviews, Joe. I just yeah. love it, man. Like, Nobody was recruiting him, goes down to Syracuse, kills a camp, and then all of a sudden he gets a scholarship ball for the same day. And I think he, I think he committed, if I remember correctly, within a couple hours of getting that offer, right? Like, just such a great backstory, man. And I really think if he develops the power – because I agree, the anchor's not great. It's sufficient, though. I don't think it's like a, a big deficit. I think that it can improve, though. There's no doubt about it. But I just think he's a slam dunk starting offensive tackle. He didn't make your top five, though, right? He did not make your top five. Matt Bergeron was tackle number six. But number four for me to transition here, I had Broderick Jones, Mm. the uh, tackle from from Georgia. I think that there's a lot to like for Broderick Jones because I always bring this up. When a guy is younger and he has all the traits – I get excited over a player like that. Like he is a, a, a younger player yep. and he's got such fluid athleticism. Like I think he is such a good athlete. He kind of plays the position a little bit like a basketball player with that wide stance that he plays with. He transitions and moves really easily. I see a lot of great flexibility in the way that he moves where he needs to improve is one. And this is a positive less than it is a negative in my eyes Yeah, is that he's got room and he needs to add more weight to his upper body. He feels a bit thin in his upper body, but he has the length and I think the overall frame to really bulk up and become a powerful blocker. But the other side of this too, him being a younger player, you can see the lack of technical refinement. Like you can see him out of position. You can see him taking bad angles. You can see him messing up in that, you know, in that regard. Um, I think that just you draft a kid like this, maybe he has a wonky first year, he grows into his body a little bit more. He bulks up a little bit more. And then you work on his his positioning. And I think he could be a fantastic, fantastic uh, left tackle in the NFL. I have him also as a top 50 pick. Well, it's a great segue here because at my number three offensive tackle, I have Broderick Jones oh. out of Georgia. And I was just looking up his particulars at the combine. Was six foot five and three ace, 311 pounds. 10 and five inch hands, 34 and three quarter inch arms. So nearly 35 inch arms. And Joe, he ran the fastest 40 yard dash of anybody at the combine at the offensive line position, 497. So all the athletic talent is phenomenal. I think one thing we need to remember, and you mentioned it, is that he is still a very green player. Like he his yeah. was his first real year as a starter. He started some games in 2021, but 2022 was his first year as a full-time starter for the University of Georgia because they had Jamari Sawyer, obviously, before that, that played a lot of left tackle reps for Georgia as well. But Roger Jones, he has every part that you want in a franchise left tackle. It's just he is developmentally probably a year behind because he just hasn't played a ton of football at Georgia. But I have him number three because that base he plays with is the best base of anybody on this list, man. He's got that wide base, able to sit down on power, as he continues to develop and get more comfortable in his pass set, he has Pro Bowl potential, in my opinion. Yes. Like he has yes. that type of upside. Georgia, 
was a heavy RPO system. They ran the ball a lot. So he was getting downhill and run blocking a ton in his – so he wasn't taking a ton of true vertical pass sets or even 45-degree pass sets. But the athleticism and the foot quickness is there to do be really good at it. It's just something that you need to see more often to be comfortable with. So Roger Jones is a little bit developmental, but I would still take him in the first round because I think his upside is so high. Yeah, big fan of Roderick Jones. Uh, to flip it though, yeah, my number three, as we you know we're big fans of Roderick Jones here. Uh, Darnell Wright, I am a huge fan of. I think, I know you see him as a guard, and yeah. I understand why you see him as a guard. Sure, because the way that he plays the position. Yes, but I think that this is a plug and play right tackle. Like I think you draft him and immediately he's a he's a really good starting right tackle in the NFL, or at the very least, as you're saying, a really good starting guard. I think you can draft him in the back end of the first round somewhere after pick 20, and you're getting fantastic value for a player like this. I will say at the 330 pounds he was listed at at Tennessee, I think he's a little too top-heavy. I think that he could lean out just a tiny bit. Um, But I almost don't want him to lose too much weight because what I love about Darnell Wright from Tennessee is the power and the demeanor that he plays with. Like He is somebody who, when he gets his mitts on you, like the rep's over. That's what I loved about him. It's just like, oh my God, he is overpowering guys so easily. The game that he had against Will Anderson is one of the best games that I've seen from any of these offensive tackles that we're talking about today. But dude, he has just such fantastic power. I think that also you couple that with the the demeanor that he brings to the run game, the yeah. aggressiveness that he brings to the run game. That to me is very promising. And I think that that's why... Uh, he can be a starting right tackle, or again, like you're saying, at least at the very bare minimum, a starting guard at a very high level. And I want to preface people by my original comment on him before the show. I think he could play right tackle on the NFL level. I think he can. But if you're asking me what position does he have a higher upside in, in my opinion, it's guard. And I think it's comfortably guard. Because things that you mentioned, Joe, this is what makes Scott – because Darnell right from a physical perspective – doesn't need necessarily to move into guard. He has enough foot quickness. He has enough length. He has the body type to play tackle at the next level. Why I think he's a guard is similar to why Kalecio Semele moved into guard on the NFL level when he came out of Iowa State mm-hmm. is the demeanor. He plays like a guard. So I just think that – But I feel like that also works at right tackle though because the, the age-old saying is that you want to put – the better run blocker at right tackle and the better it's pass. changed a little bit, tackle. though. It's changed a little bit over yeah. the years. I mean, I'll say this, Joe. In a Tennessee Titans-style system, right, in a Baltimore Ravens-style system, for sure, he can right. play right tackle. There's no doubt. In a power-based system, 100%. I just don't think that that is transcendent to or translatable, I should say, to every system, right? Because I don't want him working vertical sets all day. I don't want him working 45. I want him playing – in, in a small confine, power setting, short setting, those types of things, getting his hands on dude early in reps and using that physicality, using that power. I think that's where his game is best suited. So I think he's a guard at the next level. That being said, I think he could be a pro ball guard. I think he has that type of upside. I just think that there is a little bit of a, a ceiling on how good he can be a tackle, but I don't think there's much of a ceiling in him in a guard. He can be a dominant yeah. force inside, but at the end of the day, we're talking about – you know, our opinions on a good football player, right? Like nobody's questioning if he's not a good football player or a starting caliber offensive lineman on the next level. It's just you see him more as a right tackle. I see him more inside a guard because I think that you can unlock some of that power profile more inside a guard playing against interior defensive linemen. 
No, I totally see that. And, and again, that's why I like that's why I'm high on him. Yeah. Is that we can get that out of him as at the very least you get a you know a really good guard. Uh, I think I can assume that we're on the same page here for not sure about that. One and two. <laughs> Who's your number two? My number two is Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. We are on the same page. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Oh, you have Skar- yeah. you have Skarowski number yeah, one. Yeah, huh? yeah, we're on, we're on the same page. Huh? Okay. Interesting. I don't so, know why you're shocked. You and I have a very similar evaluation. What, like a lot of position groups. Well, 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 Joe. He. So I. I was just because I think there's two ways of thinking between the Johnson Skarowski thing, right? Yeah. Because I have similar grades on both players. The, there's just a slight. There are much different football players, right? So this is where the conversation becomes very nuanced. If Paris Johnson hits the ceiling, his ceiling, I don't even think this conversation is close. Don't think it's close because he is a physically imposing player. I mean, 6'6 and 3'8, 313 pounds, 36 and an eighth inch arms, an 85 and an eighth inch wingspan, and also a very good athlete. Also young as well. He's only 21 mm. years old. And the upside, I think, is immense, man. Like, again, if he hits his ceiling, he's the best left tackle in this class, in my opinion. But the reason that I have him under Skaronsky, and I know we'll get into Skaronsky in a second here, is because I just think from a technical perspective, there's still some work to be done. I don't think he's incredibly comfortable in his own skin yet, but the talent is immense. The talent is silly. He has every tool in the book that you want in the arsenal for him to be a really really successful left tackle in the next level. I just think that he's going to have a little bit of an – early baptism, right? Like there's going to be some dudes that I think that can kind of take advantage of some flaws in his game right now, but year two, year three, I think if you get the best out of Paris Johnson Jr., he could be one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL. Right. You hit the nail on the head there with what makes Paris Johnson such a great prospect. And for me, this is a top 25 pick, stupid athlete, stupid length. He hits every check mark that you look for in athleticism for measurables that you want in a starting left tackle. But to your point, I see a guy that is uncomfortable in space and doesn't really know how to properly position himself to win reps just yet because he's new to playing left tackle. He played guard originally at Ohio State and he is still getting comfortable with the position. Imagine not putting him at offensive t- at left tackle over Nicholas Petit Friere. Could not be me, uh, sir. Could not be me. But otherwise, and yes. and it, it screwed up his development because this yeah. might be a top five pick if we if we started him at left tackle. If he was more comfortable, and I have faith that he's going to figure it out. Yes, he's a really good athlete. And once he does, he's going to be really good. It's just it's so stupid that that Ryan Day and the the offensive staff at Ohio State wasn't thinking. This kid needs to be playing left tackle. No, we're going to stick him in at guard, and we're going to pigeonhole him in a position where he's not going to be able to do as much. That that that's that's the flaw sometimes with like the seniority thing and the because Nicholas Petit Freire went in the third round. So I'm not sitting here saying like Nicholas Petit Freire was a bum, but like guys, I mean, who, who's the more talented player? Who's the better football player? I think everyone yeah. knew it was Paris Johnson, right? So maybe it moved Nicholas Petit Ferrer inside and let Paris Johnson play his natural position, and now he has two years of left tackle experience under his belt. But ultimately, man, teams are still going to love that talent. He wouldn't surprise me if he goes top 10, you know, top 10, top 15, somewhere in that ballpark. I think that he still has that type of upside because in this offensive tackle group, there are going to be teams that prefer him over Peter Skaronsky because he hits yep. all those measurables that you want. He hits those thresholds. I mean, Joe, five players since 1999 have showed up the combine and had over 36-inch arms. 
Everyone's talking about Dewan Jones for having 36 plus inch arms. Paris Johnson has 30, 36 and an eighth inch arms, man. He's a freak show, no. freak show athlete. Now, Peter Skronsky for me, yeah, at number one, minus the length. Yeah, the arm length thing is is it is what it is. He's only listed at six foot four. Minus that, I think he has a lot of the, the same athletic traits as Paris Johnson. Like I think yep. he is such an easy, fantastic athlete. But what makes him the better player, as you hinted at? One, I think his power profile is far more developed. He yeah. uses it a lot more effectively. And his technique is, is A+. Plus. Like he is really one of the more further progressed offensive line prospects that I think we've had come out in a while. That he is ready to step in and start right away. And he's probably not going to have uh, any, any significant issues. I just think that with what we saw from him, is just a super consistent player that has great mentality in the run game, great leg churn, a powerful base, powerful hands, can lock dudes down. The only question mark is how much does the length hinder him? And is this a Rashawn Slater circumstance? Is this a circumstance where you draft him to say, like, maybe let's see if he can play tackle, and if not, he'll be an all-pro guard, which yeah. he's that good. And at the worst case, that's what he becomes. But I think that he can figure it out at tackle. Well, I, I think that there's a trajectory where people are going to look at him and say, maybe he's Zach Martin, you know, compared to a true offensive tackle at the next level. But like, either way, he's going to be a, a very good player on the NFL level, in my opinion. But Joe, actually, I, I'll be honest, man. I know some people just looked at the raw arm length and were like, you know, at the combine, it's like, oh, well, that makes him a guard. I actually looked at that and I was actually pleasantly surprised because he had the same arm length that I anticipated. It was going to be somewhere near 32 inches. 32 and a quarter is very short arms for an offensive tackle. But the good thing is that he's broad shoulder and he had 79 and a half inch wingspan. So he almost had an 80 inch wingspan. That is a good number for an offensive tackle. That's not a bad number at all. That's right around where Matthew Bergeron is, for instance. Like he's right around 80 inches of a wingspan. So I was actually pleasantly surprised that his wingspan was longer than I expected for a guy that did not have ideal arm length. And he's a good athlete. He tested like a good athlete. He showcased that athleticism despite being sick during that combine workout. He still put up some impressive numbers. Technically, he reminds me a lot from a body type and technical perspective to David Bakhtiari, who's been a great left tackle for the Green Bay Packers during the duration of his career, but he just has obviously been nicked with injuries over the last couple of years specifically. But this kid's a technician. I think he's a good athlete. I think his power profile is good. It's sufficient. Just a really good football player, man. So I was willing to come on here, Joe, and if he had like a 77-inch wingspan, I was willing to come in here and be like, I don't care how long his arm length is. He's a really good football player, but seeing his arm length, I've seen his wingspan at the combine actually eased my mind about projecting an offensive tackle. I think the wingspan is good enough when you take into account that he has the overcompensating traits of technique and athleticism. All those things together, I think that Peter Scrounce needs to tackle at the next level. If not, awesome. You're talking about a pro ball guard. Cool. Sounds great, but he's just a really good football player who. I just I, – I think there's such a high floor there, man. I don't see this being a situation where, like, he doesn't make it. Like, he's going to make it. He's going to be a good player. There's no losing with Peter Skaronsky is the best way to put it. I think that's what makes him the, the best player in this class is that, at the very least, you're getting a very, very talented guard. So, consider that, folks. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you are, please do us a favor. Drop a comment. Let us know your tackle rankings. Let us know where you want these players to end up. 
Which guy do you want on your favorite team? All of that, drop it in the comments below. Also, hit that subscribe button and also rate us wherever you might be tuning in. We'll be back with more folks. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.